Welcome to CodeWords. If you're a new developer, this is the podcast for you. Start exploring unique coding stories today and take your skill set from Hello World to Hello World. Visit CodeWords.page for all the latest episodes. Hey everyone, it's me, Rob, and welcome back to another installment of CodeWords. I'm on a mission to go from code newbie to front-end web developer while exploring unique coding stories from people all over the world. In this episode, I'm joined by Canadian-based artist, designer, and freelance front-end developer, Janine Marsh. Janine, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. How are you today? How do we find you? Uh, thank you so much for having me, Rob. Um, I'm doing great today. Definitely very excited uh, to be your guest. I don't know how it looks over where you are right now, but over in England, it's uh, really autumnal. There's leaves all over the floor and everything like that. Winter is definitely on the way. Um, so I'm located in southern ontario in canada and uh we're actually having a pretty rare sunny day today um but there's definitely all the leaves have changed color now um and yeah definitely there's that chill in the air you got to switch your coat so it's cold in the morning and warming up in the evening so it's tough when you're out uh, now, I don't know if you've seen the promo video I've put together for the Code Words podcast, but it features different people in different locations typing away at their laptops. And one of these locations features a beach. I'm just wondering, where's the most exotic place you've ever written code? Oh, my goodness. Um, the most exotic place I've ever written code. That would probably be when I was still living in Toronto, I would take my laptop to a park, a park that was like right beside my apartment um, so not terribly exotic, uh, definitely not anywhere near a beach. But I think just to be outside, that was really nice. That's uh, way more exotic than anything I've done. Uh, <laughs> I, I go hiking a lot, so I tend to code in my uh, hotel room after the hike. Yeah, I, I'm not one for camping. It's all about the hotels for me. I, need, I like a hot shower. Uh, <laughs> I'm 100% with you on that one. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it, although the hiking bag I had did have space for a laptop, so I could have taken it up there, but, you know, I didn't. Uh, anyway, <laughs> that's a, a different story, that one. Um, let's start about talking about your entry into tech. Was it always your ambition to become a developer, or did you uh, have a happy accident and stumble into it? Um, so it was definitely a happy accident. Um, I have a very, like, non-traditional pathway into tech, which I feel like many... Um, kind of newbie developers can relate to. Um, and it honestly all started at the beginning of the pandemic in 2020. Um, I was actually a uh, bartender and server at a bar downtown Toronto. And suddenly we got the call like, oh, like we need to close up shop. Um, and then I took kind of a lengthy leave of absence from my job and of course so i wasn't working and i figured i was like okay well um i'm at home with my laptop i and i just like really wanted to use that time to be productive so i was like thinking like okay like what can i do or like how can i use this opportunity like to my advantage and like I've always kind of like loved to learn. So I looked up any kind of like free webinars that I could could attend. Um, and one of those did happen to be coding. There was, of course, a few others that I took as well. Um, 
I do have a educational background in like fitness and health promotion. So one of the webinars I did was like uh, nutrition coaching. And then also in the like kind of similar field of programming, there was uh, social media management, uh, UX design. Um, there was a like there was even like Excel courses that I took. Um, like just those like half an hour workshops or an hour workshop. Um, but the code one, I had always seen coding workshops for kids like over the years. And I thought like, oh, like that looks really fun, but I don't have a computer science background. I, that's not what my degree's in. So I wasn't sure if it was for me. Um, but after doing just that workshop, I started looking into a little bit more. And that's also when I stumbled upon, um, like coding courses and boot camps, and that's when I discovered uh, like the She Codes workshops. Yeah, you mentioned She Codes there, uh, and they teach coding workshops to women. Why is it important to have spaces like this as opposed to something like Free Code Camp or Code Academy? And what was your learning experience and development like? And how did you feel when you first typed in that "Hello World"? Uh, so, what drew me to She Codes um, initially was the fact that the the founder of SheCodes, um, who's a man named uh, Matt DeLock. He worked in tech for many, many years for some major tech companies. And what he discovered was there was a huge gender gap in tech and he wanted to see more women and girls learning to code. So that's why he created SheCodes to create this learning platform for women and girls around the world. And that immediately resonated with me. Um, because I'm all about the female empowerment and going into um, like fields that are male dominated because careers, I believe, like don't have a gender. Um, so, and it also was attractive to me because it didn't have the, uh, the financial investment that a traditional like boot camp did. And I definitely like looked at those. But at the time, I just didn't have like the amount of money to spend on another like full tuition. Um, and SheCodes was a lot more like cost effective. It was still like a, a small investment, but I was like, okay, am I gonna go, if I'm gonna go all in, let's do this. And they had um, a few different workshops. They had, it was like at the time, when I started She Codes in June of 2020, they had three different workshops. There was an intro, um, and then there was a advanced like skills, and then there was a React um, course. So I had a choice of just kind of choosing one at a time and like adding on to it, but I decided to go all in. Um, and that was really my first, uh, like introduction to coding. And I really had never outside of just those like our workshops, this was my first time coding using VS code and opening it up in, in a browser and just like seeing the colors change or like the words change with like HTML and CSS. Um, so it was definitely like pretty exciting to like build 
build with each skill. And what I loved about She Codes was that even though it was kind of on your own time, I didn't have to be in class from like 10 to 6, like a traditional boot camp or like specific hours where I had to be in class. Um, it was still structured with like weekly assignments and like daily challenges, and they would get marked and assessed by the um, by the staff there. So, and they were always available like on Slack to ask questions, and you could create a community with like other students around the world, um, and you could also see other people's final projects. That sounds like a really good way of learning because I know uh, Code Academy. I don't know about free code camp, but Code Academy, they have a forum where you can ask people questions, but this sounds like you get real-time feedback in your development. Um, yeah, it's definitely like real-time. Uh, you do submit your projects or your like daily or like weekly assignments or challenges, and you get feedback on them. And of course you can always ask questions and you can even email Matt and ask him questions, even if it's not about an assignment, just about coding um like and he's always been very responsive as well which i think is really amazing that he like really truly does care about the students that are graduating from she codes and that was it front-end web development always the path you want to go down or did you consider or do are you considering going down the back end route as well so i've only done front-end development so far of course when i joined kind of like tech Twitter, that's when I opened, that's when I had my eyes open to like all the other possibilities of tech. However, that can get really overwhelming as I'm sure you've also experienced um, with tons of people talking about like what they're learning and what a proper like roadmap should be. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> it can exactly. be a bit daunting for um, a new And it still sure. is after like a year and a half. But um, I just like really wanted to focus and become more or less an expert in like a cer certain few areas instead of kind of jumping around too much. Um, I'm definitely not opposed to learning like some backend eventually. And it's something I'm definitely interested in, but I believe um, you should be kind of invested in one full area instead of being maybe full stack all at once. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, at the moment, I'm learning JavaScript. Well, I've learned it before, but I've never really understood it. But, but this year, I'm able to write JavaScript without any help. And that, for me, is a huge achievement by itself. I'm, I'm happy with HTML and CSS, but getting a better understanding of JavaScript is crucial for me. Um, talking about CSS there, um, you have a background as an artist. And how did that uh, influence or did that um, so help you with CSS at all? I was definitely, like, I've always been um, interested in art as well. I, I never went to post-secondary school for it, but I definitely, like, loved it in high school. And it's definitely one of my hobbies now, like, drawing or painting or creating, creating things, especially through, like, mixed media and going to galleries. Um, I would say it influenced me just as it being a, like a creative outlet, like a, like a different way to be creative digitally, which is something I've, I hadn't done before. Um, so just like having those concepts or just like having the create that kind of creative imagination, I guess you can say that also inspired me to 
learn to code as well because it was another outlet where I could be creative and also learn new skills. I would happen to agree with you there because I come from a quite not not a traditional artistic background, but I studied media and communications. And one of the things we did, or I specialized in, should I say, was uh, radio production and radio dramas and creating that way, uh, creating okay. soundscapes and things like that. Um, and then I didn't think I could code. I was one of those people that thought, I can't code. How can I code? Someone like me doesn't have any clue, any clue how to do this at all. But then somebody put me onto it, and uh, the first time I put a Hello World into the console or the browser, it was in Code Academy. Yeah, I can't remember what it was now. But it was. I felt like a superstar. I felt like, wow, I made this happen. And then it's just kind of escalated from there. I think it's become an addiction for me now. But I have found my t myself at times getting stuck in tutorial hell. Have you been to that place? And how did you overcome uh, that kind of uh, stuff? Tutorial hell. Tutorial limbo. Um, I don't believe I've ever really been stuck in tutorial hell but I've definitely heard a lot about it um, because to me from my perspective tutorial hell is just doing tutorials not really building your own stuff from them and not really grasping the information that's being taught but yet you keep watching them or buying them um, and just like going through that cycle uh, for me and my recommendation for anyone that's currently in tutorial hell is to like, of course, watch, take notes from the tutorial, code along with it, but maybe add some other components or change it up a little bit. So instead of making a website about a cat, make a website about a dog or or something similar, or just like change it up to your personal taste, or just like allow that kind of like creative energy to to flow because I think that's what it's all about. Like, or your problem solving energy to flow. I think you're completely right. I think if you're following along a tutorial and you're not interested in the topic, you're not going to take it in because it's boring to you. So find something, as you say, that you're interested in, you love. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I've looked at your portfolio and it seems like you've put a lot of your own interests into your portfolio. For example, the one about the gym and the to-do list as well. <laughs> um, they're always important there. Oh, yeah. Thank you. How did you manage the planning process of your portfolio and did it meet all the requirements that you set out for it? Um, so the creating my portfolio... Uh, was definitely something I knew early on that I would need because it's essentially your resume as a developer. And I looked at so many portfolios like over the months that I was, of course, like learning to code. And I'm, I'm still always like checking them out because I love seeing what people will create for themselves and how people showcase their work. Um, but at first I thought like, oh my gosh, am I ever going to be able to create a portfolio that's as amazing as this person's portfolio? Um, so like the imposter syndrome definitely like struck me pretty hard, but I really had to realize that a portfolio will always be a work in progress and just building it and continuing to like 
evolve it is always going to be a big like learning opportunity. Um, so of course I wanted to showcase um, like a bit about who I am, most importantly, work that I've done, and of course, like how to contact me, how to get in touch. Um, and to be honest, like the por my portfolio was my first multi-page website that I ever built. And it was also the first time I ever designed anything in Figma. So both of those things were just like a big like learning curve for me as well. Um, but I brought every technology like that I knew to build that. So of course there's HTML, CSS, Bootstrap, and a little bit of JavaScript, uh, which is how I created the typing text on the main page, which is usually my favorite part. I, I do like that. I very much like that. It's great. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely my favorite part of my portfolio and also the part that I get the most comments on as well. Um, so of course, being a very new developer, I had to create a bunch of like kind of at the time mock projects to showcase, like just to showcase like things I was capable of. So that's when I got busy, like on making the to-do list um, and just creating a couple like mock websites like that, um, like the gym business page. And also uh, I believe there's a photography, like a mock photography website there as well. Oh, I, I really like the, um, the website you built called, oh, it's called House in Order. So House in Order is actually my first freelance client website that I've ever made. Oh, wow. Yeah. So That's... that was my very first client web page. How did that uh, go about? Did you have to put feelers out or did you just approach someone? Did they approach you? And what was the discussions between the two of you to uh, get to where that was? Um. So... I was always like extremely open with like friends and family and of course online about what I was doing um, and like my like learning to code journey and just like sharing like little things I've done and my progress with she codes. Um, so I actually had a family member approach me who was starting a brand new business and they asked me, they're like, hey, Janine, like, I see you're learning to code and like possibly building websites. Like I'm I'm starting a brand new business that's going to be like focusing around um, home organizing and like managed moves for older adults. And I really need a web presence. Is that something that that like you're able to do for me? And I said, like, absolutely. Um, so we kind we just like got started on that project right away. Um, and that website launched in June, this past June. Um, and they're well on their way to like, they've had their own clients and people reach out to them through their own website and everything like that, which to me is so valuable. Like that's the reason, uh, like I'm so glad I was able to help them out with that and, jumpstart like their business and now it's thriving that is amazing you have essentially helped them have a space online which is their first impression that's what websites are to most people they are their first impression of the business and because of you that business is now generating a higher income which is fantastic 
Yeah, absolutely. Have you had any feedback from them since? Are there any ways they want to develop the site or anything like that at all? There has been like um, a little bit of feedback, nothing major, just maybe like uh, if they want to update some photos or, but otherwise we're going to wait to do any major changes until they get maybe like a year or so like into the business. And then we'll see like, do we need to change any services? Like just those, those types of updates. Um, but otherwise they love it. They have great feedback from like their clients on the webpage as well. So uh, of course, that means the world to me as the developer. I'll bet it does. Absolutely. Um, mm -hmm. How do you go about hosting a website? And do you own the domain or is that something they own? I don't, how does that process work there? Um, so the only... Uh, so I got them to buy their domain and also buy their hosting package. I was happy to help set them up for them, but that wasn't a cost that I was going to be taking on. Um, I think much like later on, like in my freelance um, career, that's something I may take on. And I have heard that's a good way to just develop some uh, like regular income just from like a monthly payment. Uh, but for right now, that's just uh, a little bit beyond like what I what I'm doing. C-O-D-E. This is Code Words. Can we go back to your website for a moment? Because it says uh, you are a specialist in responsive design. So to someone out there now listening to this at the start of their journey, can you explain what responsive design means? Uh, well, responsive design means that uh, it's like easily viewable and accessible on all all platforms so whether you're viewing it on your desktop your laptop a tablet or your phone it's gonna like i would make sure that it looks beautiful on all of those devices um, especially since most people do access the internet through their phones now um like you have to make sure that like the text is scalable the photos are still clear um, there's still a clear like like call to action um, for the pages. Um, so that's essentially like what responsive web design means that you can use it across all devices. Now, I never used to, but now I always build mobile first. Is that an approach you have or how did you uh, go about learning responsive design? Um, I so I don't do mobile first, um, but I always consider it like as I'm building, um, so I'll kind of go, I'll, I'll kind of build side by side, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, but of course, like how I go about it, my approach is always designing first, like using Figma uh, or whatever platform, design platform you like. Um, and of course I would design for like like I said, for desktop, tablet, and of course, like mobile. And once I get to the development stage, like my best friends for keeping the design responsive is using like Flexbox, media queries, and always dev tools. I cannot speak enough good things about using 
the browser's dev tools. That's how I had a look at your code actually for the um, the type text on your portfolio. I, I wanted to know how you did it. So like, I'm going to go into the dev tools and have a look. And I, I'm not sure if many new developers know how to do that, but I definitely, as you say, I recommend it. Uh, yeah, so um, it was actually super easy to do. Um, of course, that's JavaScript. And all I had to do was uh, create two different arrays, one array for the typing text and one array for the erasing of the text. And the blinking cursor is with CSS keyframes animations. So one piece of advice that I received after kind of showcasing my portfolio was that the typing text feature like may not be accessible to someone using a screen reader. And I was advised to use uh, what's called an ARIA attribute. Um, so for those that don't know, ARIA stands for Accessible Rich Internet Applications. So without this ARIA attribute, when a screen reader goes over that typing text section, it will read whatever letters are currently displayed. So it may only read half of when it says front end or cat lover, it may only read half of the word, or it may only say like cat low, for example, which would understandably sound extremely confusing. Um, so I included an ARIA attribute directly in the HTML of my code, which repeats all of the words that I have in the typing effect. So now if someone using a screen reader accesses my site, it will read out all the words completely typed there, no matter what's displayed on the screen. So it will read out front-end developer, athlete, cat lover, and artist completely. Um, so that's something I always tell people, because like I said, the typing text effect is what I get the most compliments on. And I get a lot of people asking, how did I do it? So I always make sure to add, uh, to include an ARIA attribute as well to make everything completely accessible. That's a very good point there. And I think another point as well, um, when I was first learning to code, I didn't really put in my alt uh, comments. I think that's what you call it, an alt comment uh, for a picture or something like that. Does that help with screen reading at all? Do you know? Uh, yeah, it definitely would help with screen readers. And uh, alt text also helps with um, search engine optimization as well if you're using specific keywords in those alt texts. Um, like accessibility should be part of every developer's workflow. So that includes um, using proper semantic HTML like header and footer and instead of just like hiding those in classes inside divs and um, including alt text as well. Janine, you started coding at the start of the pandemic. Uh, what stands out to you when you reflect on your tech journey so far? I think the biggest uh, part that stands out to me is the community that I've now been a part of, that now that we're both a part of actually. Um, like everyone I've met through tech Twitter, uh, the communities I've formed outside of there, spaces I've been a part of, um, it's been extremely encouraging. And I don't think I would be able to uh, 
continue or I would have been able to continue as far as I have like without everyone's encouragement and um, like from both sides, like I've been the encourager as well. And that just uh, like lifts me up that people are also inspired by my own journey. When you're on Twitter and you see someone struggling with something you've struggled with in the past and now you're at a place where it's kind of second nature, do you have that kind of empathy for like, wow, I was there, look how far I've come? I, I, for myself, I definitely feel that because I, I will see something on Twitter and be like, okay, that was a huge deal for me at the time, but now, now I can totally do that. Oh, absolutely. Um, I've definitely... <laughs> I can't think of any specific examples, but I, it's all like so relatable. And I've definitely seen so many people like start coding even with, within the last this year as well. Um, so just to reassure them, or even if I can help them or um, connect with them, hop on zoom with them and kind of take them under my wing a little bit. Like I can say like, hey, like I've been there too. Or like I've definitely had really hard days where I didn't think I this was for me. Oh yeah, um, I've had those days too. <laughs> so that, but I feel like I'm so far down the road now that if I were to quit coding, it would be all a waste. And I'm so I'm really enjoying it. I spent Sunday just gone. From the moment I woke up to the moment I went to bed, I was coding all day. And I loved it. It was filled with joy when things went well. It was filled with frustration when they didn't work so well. And then Monday arrives and it turns out the code I've written, I've written way too much. I didn't need to do all of that. I was stuck in pseudo classes and Z indexes. And then all I needed to do really was put it in a simple line of CSS to fix the problem I had made. And it cleaned my code up, which was great. So okay. I don't consider- So you spent all of Monday refactoring. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, but I'm really, I'm really happy with how this is working right now because- it just it's so satisfying to have a problem and then solve the problem and online where we exist there is so many ways that you can get help i've even asked um, stack overflow directly to help me i put out questions on um twitter to ask for help because i'm stuck and people come forward but the thing i didn't learn when i was learning to code at the very beginning was to google your problems because the, the chances are someone's already made or had that issue before and there's heaps of information out there to help you along your way. That's what I would say. Yeah, learning to code is definitely one of the best skills that you can learn as a developer because not only do you like strengthen your problem solving skills, but you you just like strengthen your communication skills because you learn how to ask the the right questions to get the answer that you need. Code has kind of transformed the way I think in general. I am it's provided me with a bit more of a logical brain and I, I didn't used to have that before coding I was a bit fluffy I was kind of in the moment I was kind of improv but now my everyday thoughts have structure and reason that sounds a bit preachy but it's true <laughs> um I can really relate to that actually because learning to code has actually kind of taught me that I do have a more logical brain than I thought ever in the past and that's just like something I really appreciate like it's the code is either right or it's wrong. It's either going to work or it's not going to work. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, there's really like no gray area. Like, of course, there is many different ways to achieve the same results. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we don't need to talk about centering divs now, do we? But yeah, there are so many ways no. to center a div. <laughs> but <laughs> um, I would say learning to code is a bit like driving a car. I mean, the car, the car works fine and the code out there works fine. But if you put it in the wrong gear, uh, it's going to go, Rrr. it's going to it's gonna growl at you because you've done something wrong. And mm -hmm. I, I definitely feel that with code as well, because when I would write a line of code and I'd get a message in the console saying, oh, this, all this is wrong, I used to think, oh, no, I'm so incapable. But now the, I see these uh, error messages as a route map to get me back on track. And it, I'd love them now, like more the merrier. <laughs> I'm saying that now, but I don't work in tech at the moment. But I'm sure I won't be saying that then. But I find it really useful to have those messages to tell me exactly where I've gone wrong and what I need to change. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, all very highly, highly relatable. So I can't believe we're here already, but 2022 is on the horizon. Can you tell us about what your ambitions are for the next year and what you're working with at the moment? Um, so what I'm working on at the moment is I've given myself um, some time to actually kind of like dive into learning WordPress and soon Shopify, uh, just to really help my freelance career. I believe I started my freelance career a little bit naively um, because I do really, like I did really pride myself and still do on the fact that I like coded everything from scratch like that the house and order website was built from scratch by me. Um, there's no program underneath it, uh, keeping it afloat. Um, but it turns out that definitely uh, clients, they do, they would prefer having like WordPress or like the ability to have it, the website handed over to them and they can edit it as needed. And also, of course, like uh, e-commerce has definitely expanded beyond anything I think that we've ever seen before. Um, so that's why I also want to um, learn Shopify. Um, so I'm giving myself some time and some space to just completely like dive into that. And for 2022, like I want to be able to hit the ground running again, like with my freelance career. Because um, I really do see that, like, being successful, like, I definitely envision myself being successful with that. And um, I love connecting with people. And, of course, just, like, helping um, that family member just kind of get their business off the ground and create a web presence for them. It just was, like, so meaningful for me. So to help other, if I can help other small businesses um, create a website or just... Um, help them redo a current website that's maybe outdated then like and also of course uh get paid for that on my own schedule that just would mean the world to me so did, i'm assuming your bar hours were pretty terrible um due to the nature of the role are you finding a, that flexibility in tech that you didn't have before to live your life essentially yes i i do definitely like working at a bar it was 
sometimes like very long hours and it would be like very late as well. Um, and now I just, and I felt like I was also like working all a lot. Like I felt like I was like kind of giving my life over to the role and it was very hard to take time off and even to like kind of book appointments, it was difficult stressful to see my family but like now that I have my own schedule back I don't stress out about having to take a couple days or being able to take a couple days to go visit family um to going to that birthday dinner uh to taking a long weekend at a cabin in the woods I can do that if I want to Oh, that sounds lush. I'm totally picturing a wooden cabin with snow on the top and like a fireplace, you know. Yes. <laughs> I, I can see one in my near future, to be honest with you. Um, but something also that I noticed about freelancing is like I do, I do still prefer a lot of structure like in my own work life. So I know people start freelancing to kind of escape the nine to five, but I've personally found that having those having set hours for myself or like creating a kind of like Monday to Friday schedule. Like if I am working on something or if I am doing a tutorial, it just like gives me that structure. And to me, there's also freedom in routine. Hmm. Yeah. Um, for most of us, we've had to work from home. Um, coming out of the pandemic, do you see yourself working in a shared workspace or would it still be from home for you? Um, it would definitely still be from home. Um, like if I do continue on with like freelancing, it would definitely still be from home. Um, and with, uh, and currently creating a, like a nice, uh, office space right now. Um, so that I don't have to work at the kitchen table. But otherwise, it's been, it's been fine. Um, I do, like, one of the things I do hope to do is just, like, take my laptop to, like, a nice coffee shop for the morning. That's definitely something I have missed so much and something I was really looking forward to when I first started coding. And I haven't really had that chance yet. Um, so that's something I am looking forward to doing. How is your... How was your setup before you moved to the kitchen? My setup right now is kind of messy. I've got hand sanitizer, very current. I've got Frank's hot sauce, and I've got biodegradable wetsuits cleaner <laughs> around me while I uh, code. But yeah, <laughs> uh, how was yours? Was it a clean space for you, or was it littered with your creature comforts? Um, it's definitely a like clean space, like a a desk. Of course, I have. Um, a couple cats as well. So of course I had to have like the cat bed under my desk. Um, yeah, definitely. That's also one of the, my favorite points about like being able to work from home. And, but I have to say like my desk was definitely missing some Frank's hot sauce. <laughs> I, I don't know how it happened, but I've just become addicted to hot sauce. I, I kind of, Updated my condiments from, I moved away from ketchup. I thought I needed to grow up a bit. So uh, Frank's hot sauce is where I went, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I, I have it on everything. Love That's to great. hear it. Yeah. Um, now we've come to the end of the episode and that brings me to my final question of the show. 
What's the best advice you've received on your tech journey? The best advice I've received on my tech journey um, actually comes from someone who I consider a good friend and also uh, someone I've uh, collaborated with, uh, Chris Miller, and he said, fail forward. Do not be afraid to like make the mistakes because those are going to be learning opportunities for you and like share about it, like share about your, not just your wins, but your struggles, because that's all going to be highly relatable to other people on the journey as well. And those people who are going to be part of your community are going to rally around you and help you. Um, so that's something that really resonated with me and something that he said actually the very first time that him and I spoke. So definitely it's fail forward. I would say that's fantastic advice and I've definitely experienced that myself. You can find out more about Janine by checking out the links in the description. And Janine, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Rob. It was wonderful to talk to you. Thank you very much. That's going to do it for us on this episode. We'll see you again next time for more Code Words. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate and review. For the latest podcast updates, follow Rob J. Robbie on Twitter and Instagram. And we'll see you next time for more Code Words.